we need research because we need answers. We need to understand why our bodies function the way that they do. It is humankind's nature to seek answers about things. And, you know, one of the big quandaries is why our bodies work the way they do. Without research, we can't figure out, you know, why cancer cells do what they do, um, why kids get developmental disabilities like they do, uh, why mothers have barriers to breastfeeding like they do, those kinds of things. We have to answer those big questions. Um, and without that, without a systematic approach like research, um, you know, we don't get the answers we need. Bringing an infant home for the first time can be an extremely stressful time for new moms. Car seats, crib safety, and child-proofing your home can really take a lot out of new parents. Now add on top of that the potential stresses that mothers face with breastfeeding. All of this is a combination that leads many new mothers down a path to rely on formula. I'm Brian Lee, one of the content creators for the South Central Telehealth Resource Center and the UMS Institute for Digital Health and Innovation. Welcome to Telehealth Talk. I was able to have a conversation with Dr. Sarah Rhodes, professor at the University of Tennessee Health Science Center, and Hannah McCoy, research associate for the former UAMS Center for Distance Health. It's now called the UAMS Institute for Digital Health and Innovation. Dr. Rhodes and Hannah are a part of a team whose telelactation study aimed to utilize technology to aid in breastfeeding education. Stay with us. Um, this study was uh, the brainchild of Dr. Sarah Rhodes. I had been working with Dr. Rhodes on a different study when I was working over in the College of Nursing, and one day she said something to me about, well, I'm, I want to do this breastfeeding study. And she said, would you be interested? And I said, yeah, definitely. And she said, okay, well, when they post the job, I'm going to let you know when you can apply. And so then she gave me her out. I got the job. She gave me her outline. We, um, I put together a protocol and, you know, she spiffed it up for me. When it comes to uh, developing a research study, a lot of times we look to the clinical setting or real world scenarios where we can intervene and ideally make a difference in our patient population. That's Dr. Sarah Rose, professor at the University of Tennessee Health Science Center. With... Um, uh, during some of my discussions with clinicians and lactation consultants, it had been uh, discussed that they had wanted to use two-way audio-video services to provide mothers additional support after they went home. And it had been implemented at one of the hospitals where we are recruiting patients um, with moderate, mild to moderate um, uptake. So with that um, basis in the clinical setting, I look back and see um, what in other telemedicine or remote patient monitoring programs have worked. And, and so I uh, 
thought if we developed a research study where we um, kept the patients involved and the lactation consultants involved and scheduled things out, um, it's very important uh, to listen to the stakeholders, whether they be the clinicians or the patients. And so with that, um, as a scientist or a researcher, I really want all of my studies to be based in uh, real world scenarios and helping patients. There's a barrier in Arkansas with us being such a rural state that uh, they, moms that live out in the middle of nowhere don't have access to lactation consultants. The breastfeeding rates in Arkansas are very low um, compared to the rest of the country, um, and especially low for the South, uh, which is just low overall. You know, one of the th things that she saw that could be a help with that was using the technology that we already have and going basically into mom's home via this audio-visual platform um, to connect her with a lactation consultant um, that can help her when she has those stressful moments that would cause someone to be like, oh, I just can't take this anymore. I'm going to go buy some formula. So so are there, are there any other studies like this, similar to this one in, in other parts of the country? Um, there is um, other ways that uh, technology is being used to increase breastfeeding success. Uh, a lot of those are program grants or program initiatives. With that, um, they're using mobile applications or other uh, centralized services to help with lactation support. The um, special thing about our study is we're using the actual lactation consultants that help the mothers while they were inpatient in the hospital setting to help provide support for them in that first um, few weeks after delivery. So our study is unique compared to other research studies in the area. So you said that she gave you an outline, you developed a protocol. Mm -hmm. So can you talk about the process of just getting the study started from, from, from your side? Um, from my side, so developing a protocol like I said, I'm a problem solver. So a lot of it is really just um, coming up with how are we going to do this? And then how do I put it in writing so that the Institutional Review Board will approve it? Um, the whole point of a protocol is that somebody should be able to take your, somebody somewhere else, anywhere else in the world, should be able to take your protocol and read it and be able to copy what you've done and get hopefully similar results. Um, so you have to write it out step by step. It's basically a pathway of this is how we're going to do the study. Um, so here's what we're doing with the moms and the lactation consultants, but then there's this whole other before and after piece like getting mom enrolled and getting her educated. Um, so, you know, we had to put all of that into the protocol. So that was a lot of coming up with processes and flowcharts for, you know, uh, we'll enroll mom here in the hospital, we'll do this with her in the hospital, then she'll go home and we'll do the education piece from home because we want to be able to test her wireless system with our system, not necessarily what her phone is doing with the system while she's in the hospital. That was an early problem that we learned um, about that we were able to fix. Um, and then, you know, here's the steps for the study, but what are we going to do after we've actually done the parts of the study with mom? What's next? So 
and your protocol outlines your data analysis, what you're going to do, how you're going to present your data, um, how you're going to get to your results, that kind of thing. Um, and then it even goes as far as, you know, you put it at the end of your protocol, here's where I'm thinking about publishing, if it is publishable, that kind of thing. It's, it's a very intricate step-by-step -step process for how you how your study is to be run so that if somebody else wants to do it or if something were to happen to me god forbid and somebody had to come pick up the study for me they would be able to read the protocol and keep it going one of the things from our previous research studies we found is it's very important to um to recruit patients in the inpatient setting so our uh, research assistant uh, associate goes over to the clinical setting, talks with the, uh, the potential mother um, who wants additional support and provides her uh, informed consent or about the research study. She tells her, you know, what's gonna be expected of her and what she expects to, to get from the study. She's enrolled in, in the hospital and then she's set up for um, three scheduled face-to-face -face or telephone visits um, after she's discharged. I want to address the technology gap because a lot of these, uh, a lot of those patients, um, this is maybe their first time being exposed to, I guess, telemedicine. So, oh, absolutely, so, absolutely. So how did you deal with those technology gaps and getting them up to speed on using how to use Cisco meetings, these different platforms? Well, so everybody basically knows how to use a smartphone now. Um, so it really was, it's just a matter of teaching mom to use the app. Um, it's a, you know, I would send her the link from the app store, uh, and she would just have to go in and download it. And then I have like a pre-written message that I would send to her that walked her through all the different steps that she would need to do. Um, and I, I wanted to do it that way because I wanted to make them proactive in this whole process, you know, we're a team, this is a breastfeeding team, um, you know, it, if, if this is gonna be successful, we have to empower moms. And one of the ways that we could do that was teaching her how to use the technology on her own and a little bit of troubleshooting on her own, even though we do have the 24 seven video support here at UAMS. Um, so I would send her the link and the message and she would download it and then I would just sit and wait for her to connect and if mom didn't connect then I would know that we needed to do some more troubleshooting um, and then once she did connect we could see you know if there was a lag if her Wi-Fi could keep up um, her internet speed could keep up that kind of thing um, we gave them the option of doing it on any device that was connected to the internet but uh, I think all but maybe a handful of people just use their phones. Um, and so the fact that we were using a technology that the mothers already had and were a little bit used to as far as being able to download an app and navigate that, um, that was really helpful. You know, we were using existing knowledge with our telehealth knowledge to empower moms and also the lactation consultants. I had to teach them how to use it because none of them had used, they, none of them had done any telehealth before. Um, and they were all really apprehensive about it because they were like, oh, this is gonna be too, you know, this sounds too complicated. We, we don't, we're not sure if we're gonna be able to do this. And I was like, no, no, it's super simple. It's super easy. So we, I did a couple trainings with them and they just took off. I mean, it was amazing. 
I, I really thought that the, the lactation consultants were going to be my, my barrier, but, but they have just, and it's great to watch them, um, get really good at this because they're excited. They're like, this is something that I can add to my practice. This is something that, you know, I could possibly do somewhere else if I decided to go into telehealth, you know, they were already gaining experience and background in something that usually a nurse on the floor wouldn't be exposed to. Um, so it was, it was fun. It, it was education on both sides, not just with the moms. We really wanted to provide reassurance to the lactation consultants that were kind of skeptical to the technology because this can be um, a very um, personal exam being provided by the lactation consultant. So we wanted to provide reassurance for the lactation consultants that privacy um, is being met. Uh, and uh, we assured that process it, where the lactation consultants virtually visit or provide their services with the, the mothers. And uh, we walked them through step by step and made sure they were 100% comfortable with the process prior to launch. We did uh, many uh, tests to ensure that they could visualize the skin correctly and uh, what type of lighting is needed uh, for the correct exam and how it might look over different types of broadband. And so we did all of those things before we started recruiting uh, with the study. But we set this study up almost as a feasibility study to mm -hmm. determine if the patients liked this type of interaction, if the lactation consultants liked the process and uh, felt like it was an important worthwhile service, and uh, we grounded it in the clinical setting. So with that, uh, we've learned a lot from this study, and we're gonna, going to use this pilot or feasibility study to inform larger studies to help support lactating or breastfeeding mothers after they're discharged from home. Let's talk a little bit about the ups and downs. Did you have any, like, you know, you mentioned that you thought that the nurses would be a barrier, but what were some actual barriers? What were some? Yeah. Um, a big barrier was moms that thought it would be a great idea in the hospital, and then they got home, and they were like, oh, no, <laughs> I'm too busy, or this kind of thing. So um, I, it was hard to um, get moms going in the study. Once they started it, I... I didn't really have any moms drop out because that's always something you have to worry about in a study is um, being able to reach your goal um, and your recruitment goal. And um, we, but once we kind of started getting the moms going, it wasn't like they were dropping out once they had already started in the study. Um, so the big barrier one was just getting it, getting them up and running with the moms. Um, but then after that, it seemed to go pretty smoothly. Um, we had a hard time recruiting moms um, that were African-American um, or Latina. Um, a lot of the Latina moms didn't speak English, so that was a barrier because we didn't, we weren't able to, you know, we don't have a Spanish-speaking lactation consultant that would have been able to help so there were some places where it could have been expanded and we just don't had we didn't have the infrastructure for it but historically those groups have been hard to reach in, in general the media in general right, mm -hmm. okay. right. Mm -hmm. yeah so um, that was one of the big things that we saw was uh, that recruiting specifically African-American moms um, because they uh, 
have had really low breastfeeding initiation and duration rates. So breastfeeding initiation meaning just starting even breastfeeding and then duration, you know, going longer than three months um, or however long it was before mom decided she had to stop. Uh, the big the big cutoff for moms and breastfeeding is usually three months, uh, 12 weeks, because that's when mom has to go back to work. So that's when she would have to start pumping and, you know, her life gets a little more complicated at that point with breastfeeding. Uh, it's a lot more work on her part um, to be able to keep up with that because you know, you have to basically trick your body into thinking that you're feeding a baby when you're not and keeping up the supply enough that you can do that. So it's it's hard work to, once you have to go back to work if you're a breastfeeding mom, it's pretty next to impossible. <laughs> but, but moms do it, and they do it well. So. so you have your data. What did you discover? We discovered, uh, like you mentioned, that there is a huge gap in breastfeeding. And it wasn't that so much a discovery as it was something that we saw that we could intervene on. Um, we know that uh, African-American moms have a low breastfeeding initiation and duration rate, um, and that they are often pressured by uh, family members and friends to just switch to formula, because it's so much easier. So now we have written um, a grant submission um, for how we can address this problem specifically in the African-American population using telehealth and partnering with um, other groups that we already work with um, like the Arkansas Birthing Project where they're already intervening with mom early on while she's pregnant uh, through um, a socio-culturally acceptable mentor, so an, another African-American woman who's been through what she's been through. Mm -hmm. So if we pop this telelactation piece on once mom delivers, um, does this social support that she's had during um, her pregnancy and now this support she's getting with lactation once she delivers and is still getting the social support from her mentor, um, can we increase initiation and breastfeeding duration in these moms. Another thing that we found, we did set up our study a little bit different based on the uh, mild to moderate success at the other site. They had it where mothers would call if they had any problems. Mm. And um, so, and mothers just didn't call. They didn't reach out and they didn't do the two-way audio video, but they also didn't call on the phone either. So we set this study up where they would automatically get um, visits at 24 to 48 hours after discharge and then one week and three weeks after discharge and um, many mothers have said over and over and over again I never would have called and I probably would have just stopped breastfeeding so I think a proactive approach on the clinicians apart or the lactation consultants part is very much needed to ensure breastfeeding success for mothers it takes all three sides of that triangle putting in 100% to really make it work. Um, you have to have a lot of buy-in from people that um, are volunteers, basically, in order to get this kind of study to work. As always, let's keep the conversation going. You can find and follow us on Twitter, at Learn Telehealth, on Facebook, the same name, Learn Telehealth. While you're there, 
leave a like and follow the page. If social media isn't your thing, you can always leave us an email at info at learntelehealth.org. Thanks for listening.